Welcome back to Unfiltered Christianity. I'm here with my good friend, Brianna. Hey, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. I uh, I wish we hadn't corrupted the first file that we had recorded, but I'm actually really excited to be doing this again. Yeah. Uh, Want to tell them the story behind that? Yeah, I sat down to edit the second podcast, and the file decided to say, hey, guess what? I'm not on your computer anymore, and I have literally no idea where it went. So here we are again, but it's all good because all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. And so obviously God had another purpose for us to sit down and talk to each other today. And so what I want to start with, Brianna, is how you came to Christ. I always get really excited to tell this story. So um, I grew up in church uh, ever since I was little bitty. Like, I was dedicated in a church, and um, which, which is a good thing. Train up your children in the way they should go. Um, but the thing was, is as I got older, I just kind of felt like this faith is no longer making sense to me. It's being generated by my outside environment and not by my own personal conviction to have a relationship with God. I just, and I, um, I found a lot of atheist YouTubers who were asking questions that I as a Christian was always too afraid to ask. And I started relating with that. And pretty soon after the relating happened, I just kind of became disillusioned with my faith and with the possibility of God being real. And I just, this idea happened, which was, I don't think God is real. I don't think that he's there. I, I think that he's this idea that humans made up to keep other humans in line. And I so firmly, I so firmly believed that. And I guess God didn't, I guess God had other plans because within that year, like I, I was, I went through about like six months of being really angry and really like irritated with um, my former faith. And I was, I, I, I was, I was just angry um, because I felt like it was a farce. And so that's where all of the anger came from. But after my anger kind of settled down, that was when the pursuing began. And I just undeniably felt like there was somebody tapping me on my shoulder and tapping me on my shoulder. And so I, uh, I, there, there was no denying it. Like someone was there. And so I, I just felt it in my heart and I, the, it, this went on for a while. And so finally I was just like, you know what? Okay. I'm going to make myself vulnerable to this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to believe and I'm going to make the jump and I'm going to say that I believe in you. And I really, really hope that you're there. And I really hope that you're real. And so I did. And here we are about like five years later and uh, or not not five years, four years later. And I'm I'm more firm in my faith that I could say that I've ever I've ever been. I um, I wouldn't say I'm the perfect Christian by any means, um, but. I, I, that, that was, that's my salvation story. It came from a place of non-belief to believing in a God, to believing in this God who made me and love, loves me dearly. So when you took that leap of faith, how did God respond? Um, I felt he caught me. It was a jump for me because in my perspective, in my perspective, faith was foolish to me. It felt, it felt foolish, but really what faith was, really what faith is in my, um, I can't find a Bible verse to support. This is just like my personal experience, but really what faith is, is it's just vulnerability to, it's just vulnerability and it's saying, humility. yeah, it, it is. Yes, it is humility. It is saying, it's saying, I don't know everything, but I, I don't, I don't know everything. And it's, it's, it's taking the leap of faith and going and going, okay, I'm, I, I just, I, I, I'm going to, I, I feel you, per, I'm not verbalizing as well as I'd like to, as I'd like to. Um, it, it's essentially submitting to something bigger than what you think should Okay, so for all the people who, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are listening or who were like you saying stuff like, mm -hmm. I don't know if God is, exists, if he's real mm -hmm. or whatever. What would you say to them? 
Um, I would say, what if there is a possibility that you are incorrect? That's that's a that's one of the main arguments that comes up when I ever, you know, get into a debate. It's what if you are wrong? What what if you are possibly missing something? Something that I noticed about myself when I was an atheist was I had this idea of how the world should work. Um, things are just, God works like this if he does exist. And if he doesn't work like this, then he doesn't exist. And so that's, that's where we, we were just talking about with the humility. I, I had a sense of pride in saying things should work the way that I deem that they should work. And if they don't, you know, you know, it just doesn't fit into my grand scheme of my thought process. So it doesn't exist. And so that's what if your thought process on how the world should work is incorrect? That's how that's how um, that's one of the conversation pieces that just kind of starts that, um, you know, just it, it, it's, a, it's a conversation sparker is that's how I would respond to that. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get at with the humility is just mm-hmm. trying to say, you are not God. Mm-hmm. And so just you may not understand everything, but just trusting that he is doing everything mm-hmm. and that he has a plan and it's not him. And so you can see people in news and in our world like have a very rough go of it. And you're like, well, if God is real – why did this person get the short end of the stick? Mm-hmm. But that's not necessarily the right question to ask. It's more of God, what's your plan in this? And that's and it's, a, it's, it's understand. Sorry, I wasn't done. I'm sorry. It's no, just understanding that even though bad things happen, we are too quick to say, God, you did this, but we fail to understand that the devil is still on the earth, prowling like a lion, seeding whom he may devour. And that's kind of a hard, even though you have a definite point in that, it is kind of hard to make that point with people who are not believers, especially if they're not ready to come to that conclusion. That was something that I had a hard time swallowing, especially since like the God that I didn't believe in didn't exist to me. But it's, it is, I believe that now with my faith, I believe that now when bad things happen and they're really, really, when somebody has a really tough go of it, it it's really hard to ask god what's your plan um because i i there's still that big part of me that's got the the sense of pride in in the sense that well things didn't go the way that i wanted them to go so where are you and he he's still working and that's that's even hard for me as a believer to swallow and it's even harder for a non-believer to swallow which is it's um it, 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 it Lots of prayer. Lots of prayer. to Unfiltered Christianity. I'm with my friend Brianna still. We're talking about toxic behavior today. Woohoo! So Brianna, what is toxic behavior? Mm. Okay, so toxic behavior, it's kind of a broad spectrum. So toxic behavior is just basically an umbrella term. And basically what you can boil toxic behavior down to, it's just a consistency in acting in selfishness. And literally anybody, literally anybody is capable of toxic behavior. We all, um, we all have some form or shape or, um, so we were all capable of it and have done it at some point or another. Now there are different people who have different levels of toxicity, but we we're we're all innately toxic. Yeah. And it's interesting that you talked about selfishness because this whole podcast is what does the word say? about these topics and in the book of James it says for where jealousy and selfish ambition exists there will be disorder in every vile practice and so it's just basically meaning that you are at, if you're acting in your selfishness that is toxic mm-hmm. and that's what a lot of people do it's just um, working in your own self-interest and not 
thinking about edifying and building up other people. A good exa- my example of being toxic is I've been doing media and sound, well, sound specifically for 10 years now, and I'm only 22, so that's half of my life, basically. And so, well, close to it. And so basically, there's been times where people are like, well, I've been doing sound for five years. I'm like, well, I've been doing sound for 10, so move aside. And kind of just acting like I'm the head honcho. Mm-hmm. But instead, what a the non-toxic version of that is saying, well, I do have more experience, is understanding like you can't really change that. But it's also understanding I can use the experience that I have to help build up this, this person who's only been doing it for five years mm-hmm. or three years or two years a day or 30 minutes or however, however it may be. And too many people have the mentality of, well, I'm a doctor. Mm-hmm. And they just walk around pretentious like, well, that's doctor to you. Oh, I remember. And that's very, very toxic. And it's just understanding, like, yeah, you may have the knowledge to be a doctor, but you need to edify and build people up instead of just walking around pretentious. Can I tell the story behind that? Yes. Um, I used to, uh, what the story Daniel's referring to is um, a couple years ago, I was was much younger, um, but I I used to work at a, um, work as a cashier at a store. um, And so I... Um, this gentleman came up and I, I'm always like, I'm a huge people person. I believe you know this, right? Like a giant people person. She'll walk up to strangers and just start talking. I, I will. And I get excited to see people. And um, so this gentleman, um, I, I saw him coming and I remember what his last name was. So I said, Mr. We're just going to use an example last name. And so I said, hello, Mr. Bill, how are you doing today? And he turns around and this man angrily goes, that's doctor to you. Uh, And with that, and and I'm, normally I wouldn't have minded, normally I wouldn't have minded changing the name to doctor. It was just the intention, the intention behind what he said was to put himself on a pedestal above me. In the con, there was a condescension in his voice, and so it was. It made the whole interaction, and it turned the whole interaction from "I'm excited to see this human being" to this person just established themselves above me because of their educational status, and it and it it was wounding, and it was it was just it was it was a gross feeling, and he always he always did that. Yeah, and so that's just what I'm saying is. Mm-hmm. They're walking around as elitists, and yes. I've met people that way. And if you have that selfish entitlement of elite elitism, mm-hmm. I don't even know if that's a word, but I, I, we'll just pretend it is, even if it's not. But you kind of act like you're better than everybody, and that's just kind of that plays out in every area of your life. Because if mm-hmm. you're if you think of your yourself as an elitist, then you may say, "Well, I don't need to." tip my waitress or my waiter mm-hmm. or my Domino's delivery driver mm-hmm. or whatever because like they're just some just waiter just some like person. they're they're supposed to serve me they don't mm-hmm. they don't get a benefit from that's their job mm-hmm. and that's a very uh, elitist pretentious way to live and I also say that as a PSA I I, I work off tips mm-hmm. or I have in the past tip your waiters tip your waitresses trust me. They I'm not even it. a waitress, but please. They need it. Um, I've met people in my life who have had that elitist mindset, and honestly, it just drives me crazy because it's like, it's like you're not any better than me mm. because you have a degree mm-hmm. or have experience or anything like that. And I say that because I've walked through it. Mm-hmm. I've walked through that whole, I have 10 years of sound. Mm-hmm. I've walked through that elitist mindset, and that's something I'm still breaking and still trying to break. And it's not a good color on people. It's not mm-hmm. a good way for them to live. It's not a, a good way for people to live because it's very just rude. So in this story, these teachers, they throw out these balloons with all the students' names on it. And so the students are told, okay, everybody find your balloon with your name on it. And so the students scramble. They have like three or five minutes to find it. And the three or five minutes is up and nobody has found their balloon, not a single one. And so they go, okay, new challenge. When you find a balloon, when you pick up a balloon, you f- take that balloon and you give it to the person whose name is on it. And through that, within a couple of minutes, all the students had their balloons. And 
essentially that that was just a beautiful picture of what I think it is to live in selflessness not not um not having this in this blind entitlement just kind of steering you into this um into this tunnel vision of where's mine what can I get what do I need selflessness and uprooting any toxicity from yourself is essentially the best for you and best for the people around you and we can pull that from examples you know in society today and we can pull it from from biblical references as well yeah toxicity toxicity is toxicity is toxicity is everywhere in our culture and it seems like it's always been a part of life because selfishness is a part of the human Mm -hmm. condition Mm -hmm. it's a part of every human and so like what is the first thing that you're taught as a child is share Mm. it's like you're in preschool you're like mine that's mm-hmm. that's usually the first word that a child says it's either mom dad or or that mama dada or mine and so i grew up with a brother and so i remember my parents having because we're only two years apart but my parents were like daniel you have to share i'm like why that's mine it's like well you mm-hmm. have to share and so selfishness is something that is uniquely built mm-hmm. in every person because uh, the Bible says that we're born into sin, and so selfishness is frankly a sin because mm-hmm. God calls us to love and love unconditionally. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay, yeah, that's cool. And so we say that we love people, but we only love people who think like us. Mm-hmm. Ow. <clears throat> yeah, that one hurts. That one hurts for me. It's like, it's like for me growing up in, growing up in a conservative household, I hear people that I fundamentally disagree with on pretty much every word that comes out of their mouth politically on like Me. this stage. Um, <laughs> I'm talking about more national, <laughs> but um, God calls me to love them as well. It's just as toxic for me to be, be selfish as it is for me to not be loving and speak so mm-hmm. viciously against a politician that I fundamentally disagree with. And now I'm not saying it's okay to fundamentally disagree with them, but you can still love them and fundamentally disagree with them. D- disagreement and disagreement and love is a complete, they, they can go hand in hand and they, they can, they can. And so the point that I'm making is that it is also very toxic as Christians to be so very opposed to fundamentally different lifestyles to, than us. It's so, it's just as toxic for us to be selfish as it is to, support the churches who are like protesting with like the God hates gay people. Mm -hmm. I paraphrase a little bit. They use a more colorful term. Very demeaning. Yeah, it's demeaning. And so it's just as toxic to say, well, I mean, don't get me wrong. The Bible is very clear on that issue, but it's also very clear on loving. And so we are called to love unconditionally, even if someone is gay, drunk, watching porn, whatever that is fundamentally disagree with it don't get me wrong it is hard sometimes but it's just as toxic to do that and so we and that's that's one thing that our that our culture needs to understand we are called to love unconditionally we are called to be a light and we can have our fundamental disagreements but that doesn't mean that they that you have to be vicious and mm. in, in, in your disagreements you can still look at someone and say you know what i i disagree with you but i love you like you're still my friend. I'm still gonna let you around, and all this stuff. It's like that's like you. My friends would tell me that would be like, "Girl, I love you, but stop it." It's <laughs> been many a time for that, Brianna. Uh, yeah, don't call me hell like that. Yeah, no, it's true. I um, I can't tell. But, but that's that's kind of the point. Is like I'm, I'm like I'm, I'm just gonna be honest. Like literally during our lunch break, I had to look at Brianna and be like, "Look, if you do that, you're being an idiot." I was um. Oh my gosh, what was I talking about? I was saying um um. I think I was saying something along the lines of, um, oh no, I don't care. But basically what Daniel and I were talking about was I was saying, if God's calling me into this, like, I don't care, I'm going to run. And I don't care if, and I really, I really, um, what a, (laughs) what, what a response to have. I was, I, I feel Daniel and I have a very good friendship to where I just feel like I can speak my mind. Um, and 
but so can but I. within within speaking my mind, of course, there was an ideal that was just it was of course up for it was it was of course up for debate and essentially I um and I, I think it should have been it's like girl you really think that you could run from the dude who created the whole universe I mean the Bible says that like the earth is his footstool right like you you ain't escaping him like what are you doing but the the point was is that like. I fundamentally disagree with her plan. And so like, but the thing is I'm still interviewing her Mm -hmm. because I can still have, I still have a friendship with her. I can say, Brianna, you're being an absolute idiot. Right. Now don't, don't try that with everybody. Some people are not, are sensitive. Oh, Daniel, I'm going to leave the podcast. (laughs) I have to go home now. I have to feed my goldfish. Gets up and goes home. But the, (laughs) the point that I'm making is that we can be loving and disagreeing. We can we can correct our friends in love. Exactly. And that doesn't mean that that's a toxic behavior. It's like that's one thing I don't want to happen is is people listen to this behavior and be like, well, if I do this, I'm being toxic. No, not necessarily. It, it, it basically, it's the intentions behind what you're saying. Because I told Brianna, I was doing that out of her interest. Like, if you run from God, it's not going to be good for you. Look at Jonah. The man was swallowed by a whale. I mean, if God swallowed him with a whale, what is he going to do to you? I mean. And so, I really hope I don't get eaten by a whale. But I wasn't trying to just be vicious and malicious and just mm-hmm. calling her out because I wanted to call her out because it made me feel prideful and just like, oh, I have the power to call. No, I did it to help her. And if you're doing, if you're looking at the intention of I want to help as opposed mm-hmm. to selfish desire, that's not toxic behavior. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it takes a minute. Sometimes it takes a minute to determine. And of course, I I completely agree that you had the best of intentions when we were talking in the car. Because he only yelled at me a little bit. No, no, <laughs> you didn't yell at me. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but Daniel's intention in that conversation was to be like, dude, come on, <laughs> you can do better. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't like we just talked about. It wasn't an attempt for you to be higher than or to be better than. It was an attempt at guiding into being a friend. Right, and so it it all comes down to your intentions. Mm-hmm. And so I also want to say this as well, is that if you have exhibited some of the behaviors that we've talked about, if you have been selfish in your – that does not mean you are a bad person. No. That does not mean that at all. Okay, so switching gears here, we're going to talk a little bit with Brianna with her own personal calling, toxic behavior. Calling me out. Just throw Gosh. all that dirty laundry out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, we we already talked about it. We were we were gonna have a conversation about it. Just because you may show behavior that we talked about in this episode, that does not mean you are a bad person. It means you're a terrible person. Just kidding. Just Brown, kidding. Shut up. <laughs> it does not mean that you are a bad person. It just means that you have behavior that needs to be changed. Yeah, and, and that's not a bad thing. Everybody has skeletons in their closet. And once you find that you have skeletons in your closet, you just grab them and you throw them out the window. And, and, and burn them. And burn them. Exactly. So you just stop doing that thing. That's the gospel. Just stop it. That's the gospel. It's just repenting. It's just God is like, hey, 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 you're not, you're not doing that. You're doing that wrong. Like you're doing you're that doing bad. You're doing that thing. Like you're doing that, that thing, thing that we, that, you know, that, ser- that. that sermon that you heard stop on it. Sunday, that was like, boy, you know, he was like pre- he was like preaching to you. Yeah, stop doing that. Stop it. <laughs> and so when you stop doing it, that's the point. It's just you just gotta stop doing. It. And so just stop it. Repentance. It's it's all about repentance. It's just one eighty. All um, right. So Brianna, what is your toxic behavior traits? I wanted to add on to what you just said, which was like just because you do a bad thing doesn't mean that you're a bad per. Doesn't mean that you're you're just this whole bad creation. Um, and the great news about toxic behavior is God gets to work in that and God gets, God gets the glory out of that. Amen. Um, something that I noticed that I did, um, I grew up in, I grew up in a family of six people, like including myself and something that, um, something that I always felt like, um, a mentality that I had, I think I went into this the last time we recorded this, but I'll, I'll go in a little bit more depth into it. But something that I always felt like, I always felt like I had to be on the soapbox. I felt like I had to keep everyone entertained. I had to keep all the eyes on me because I had, at the deep root of it was, um, Pride. was, a, was yeah, at the, at the deep root of it was this fear of abandonment. And so something that I find that I do is I will take up entire conversations and just vent about my own experiences and my, you know, my grievances. And so 
when I realized that about myself, I didn't realize until I was much older, embarrassingly, that's, that's kind of an embarrassing thing to admit that you were like completely unaware of how, you know, your, your behavior was affecting people around you. That's very embarrassing to admit. But after I realized that, like, um, I did, after I realized that I would take a conversations, I went into the spiral of, oh, I'm narcissistic. I'm a bad person. I, um, I, you know, I'm irredeemable. And so like, I just went into this spiral and dug myself mentally into a pit deeper and deeper. And that, I, that was a terrible place to be in. That was an, that was an awful, awful place to be in. And that itself was, was toxic for me. But, um, after I realized that, I'm struggling with the area of letting other people have the microphone after I realized that, um, I just, I kind of got to work on that area a little bit. So when you say that you stole conversations, Mm -hmm. were you basically playing the pain Olympics? Basically, okay. it's um, just basically just saying, well, well, this is what happened to me. And then you're like, OK, I got you. I beat I, you. Like, when, I, when I was younger, that was kind of something that I'm very familiar with the Pain Olympics. I apologize. I think I interrupted you. You're good. Go ahead. Um, I um, I did. I didn't tip it. when I was younger. I think I did the Pain Olympics thing. And then when I got older, I just like it stops like your pain stops being a competition. But but even though even though that was that wasn't the case, I was still there were still other people's needs that I was oblivious to because I didn't give them a chance to talk about their needs. Right. You had that lack of empathy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not a lack of empathy, just an oblivion to being empathetic because my needs were on the forefront. And even though. So when you. If someone came to you, a friend, and said, hey, I have a legitimate issue. I need to talk to you. They're obviously visibly upset. Were you quick to dismiss that? No. I just – it was harder for me to – it was harder for me to look for other people's pain when I was on the soapbox. Um, and that was the problem. Was If a friend came to me and said, I'm in pain – then typically I would try to make time to listen to them. I, it just, in my day-to-day life, I wasn't making an intention of how to serve people and how to listen to people. Okay, so I'm just trying to understand here. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, let's say you're at you're with a group of friends. There's mm-hmm. about eight or nine people. And you're, on, you're taking up all the conversation like you always do. No, I'm just kidding. You don't do it anymore. <laughs> hopefully, but, um, I've ta- hopefully I've gotten better. <laughs> but anyway, so like, let's say someone's in the corner visibly upset, but mm-hmm. you're on your soapbox trying to be the center of attention. So you're saying that your toxic behavior was failing to understand that they were upset and failing yes. to stop and say, okay, I need to take the photos of myself and say, how are you doing? Yes, it was it, that that was kind of my that was kind of my issue. And, and I got to be honest, even to this day at the age of 20, I mean, well, I'm almost 23 now. But like even to this day, I still it, I still have to intentionally challenge that. Um, I have to intentionally challenge the need to be the center of attention because there are people who also need edification by having the focus on them for a little bit. They need that edification too. Yeah, because on let, let's just be honest here. There's a lot of people in this world that feel outcasted Mm -hmm. they feel like no one loves them they feel like no one cares about them or no one wants to listen to them or no one wants any of that and let's just be honest those are all lies from the very pits of hell Mm -hmm. um those are lies from satan himself there are people in your life even if it's just one person there is at least one person i can almost guarantee that if not god if you talk to god he can bring someone god made you special and he loves you very much yes he did and so um we as Christians have to understand that we don't, we can't be the center of attention and we have to love other people unconditionally, like I was telling you about. Yeah. So we can see, oh, okay, this person is visibly upset. Mm-hmm. Wow. I need to talk to them yeah. or, or pray for them because sometimes maybe it's not your, maybe it's not your time or your calling mm-hmm. to open up to them. 
Because mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna be honest, like there's been time, like in, like I'm a huge believer in you as in you need to be careful with when you're mixing genders when it comes to like emotional oh, yeah. stuff. And so like if I if I, like there's been times in my life where I've seen a female visibly upset and I've gone to one of my female friends like can you talk to her? Yes. Or I just pray I just pray for her, but I don't reach out. Yes, it's um that that's oh I wanna I want to include a story about that. Uh, Daniel and I were out to lunch for a few minutes, um, and I ended up telling him about this uh, songwriter who I, I have a very great admiration for. Her name's Lacey Sturm. Um, and she spoke about in her book, The Mystery of Love, she, um, spoke about... You do not own anything about this book. No, I don't own no anything. No content belongs no. to me or this podcast. I would love to meet Lacey Sturm, though. That's all I ask, is that out of this, I just, I want to meet Lacey Sturm. Um, <laughs> no, Lacey Sturm doesn't have to meet me. But, um, in this book, she, she talks about, she talks about the boundaries. She, she talked about, um, healthy boundaries and kind of understanding where you stand with a person in terms of relationships, whether um, are they brothers and sisters in Christ? Are they mothers and fathers in Christ? Are they acquaintances? Are they enemies? Are they, you know, it's important to understand where a person stands because so you can serve them accordingly. Uh, not that's not a direct quote from her book, but it, the way that she described it was very helpful for me personally, especially in this stage in my life. Well, the reason why I mentioned that mm-hmm. is because I I mentioned that because I had I remember that was in the sixth grade when I heard a speaker say this. I remember thinking that he was crazy, but now that I'm older. Mm-hmm. And just a little bit wiser, just a little bit, not much. Um, <laughs> I understand he was one hundred percent correct. He said, "He said you have to be careful if you open yourself up to a member of the opposite sex because that can lead to emotional intimacy and that can lead to a lot of things." And he said it very bluntly. He was a very funny guy, but he said it was like he's like, "Y'all ain't gonna be talking about your problems, but you're gonna be making it out in the corner." And it's, I was like, "That's exactly. very true." And so um, that's why I'm very careful because I don't want to say. I don't want this girl to be like, well, does he like me because he's helping me through this? Mm-hmm. It's like, is he being friendly? Like, that's mm-hmm. just as toxic. Even though my intention is being good, it is toxic for me to put myself in a place that I do not belong. Mm-hmm. And so I have to be, and so everybody needs to be very, very careful. Mm-hmm. And it even belongs within, there's even some guys where I'm just like, okay, that's not me. Someone mm-hmm. else needs to minister to this person, but this is not my responsibility. This is not my exactly. role in my assignment. And so God has assignments for every person. Mm-hmm. And so we have to understand what those assignments are before we can effectively minister to other people. Exactly. Um, but um, but it is important to it is important to figure out who you're called to minister to. Um, and sometimes even though, even if we feel a pull to go minister to someone, we have to kind of step back and evaluate because there's that opportunity in ministering to someone that that ministering can kind of go into a, it can actually, it can, um, especially if you're not watching, if, especially, is it boost if it's. You have to watch it because sometimes what can happen is when there's that emotional attachment and then there's that ministering to a person. We got we have to watch out because sometimes what can happen is idolatry. And I have personal I have a personal experience with idolizing with idolizing people. And I, I even at even at my age I still even acknowledging it, I still struggle with it. I still struggle with idolizing people right and, and it's to, toxic. i actually have a story relating somewhat to that I, I remember i was at youth camp and um i don't remember many memories about this youth, youth camp except this one very specifically i had a friend that was a female okay best friend in the world we were super close and i believe it was after this youth camp i actually I, it was i think it was during this youth camp i began to catch feelings for her okay and so I'm not saying that being close to a, f- a person of the opposite sex is bad. I'm like, in fact, if you're if you're wanting to date someone, get to know them. Don't just jump in, please. But um, please I don't. Re- <laughs> I remember they were having an altar call, and 
she just broke down crying. I'm talking like ugly snot nose crying. Like holy, girl, me too. Like Holy Spirit just kicked her in the teeth crying. And when I say that, I'm like the Holy Spirit, like the good kick in the teeth. And so my first response is I wanted to run over there mm-hmm. and like make sure she was okay, hug her and all this stuff. But then I like I, I turned I remember whipping my head, but then the Lord was like, uh-uh, uh-uh, don't you take the step. Like, like literally, he was like, "That's not your, that's that's not your that's role. That's not your role. That's not your role." And so then there was two or three other girls that she opened up to, mm-hmm. and she got help from them, not me, mm-hmm. because if I would have stepped into that role, my emotions for her, the romantic emotions, my experience with my own toxic behavior, just making me air out all my dirty laundry. Um, but um, my, my experience with my own toxic behavior was um, I grew up in a family of six people. And so something that I, a lie that I believed about myself was that I had to be the center of attention to, in order to be valuable. So with that thought process, I tended to take up conversations and this didn't just, you know, expand from my family life, expanded to my friendships and, you know, like in class and just everywhere in my life that thought process permeated my motivation mm-hmm. to be the person speaking and it really affected my friendships and so when you if someone came to you a friend and said hey i have a legitimate issue i need to talk to you they're obviously visibly upset were you quick to dismiss that no, I just, it was harder for me to, it was harder for me to look for other people's pain when I was on the soapbox. Um, and that was the problem, was if a friend came to me and said, I'm in pain, then typically I would try to make time to listen to them. I, it just, in my day-to-day life, I wasn't making an intention of, how to serve people and how to listen to people. Okay, so I'm just trying to understand here. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, let's say you're at you're with a group of friends. There's mm-hmm. about eight or nine people, and you're on you're taking up all the conversation like you always do. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you don't do it anymore. Hopefully, but, I've um, ta- hopefully I've gotten better. <laughs> but anyway, so like, let's say someone's in the corner visibly upset, but mm-hmm. you're on your soapbox trying to be the center of attention. So you're saying that your toxic behavior was failing to understand that they were upset and failing yes. to stop and say, okay, I need to take the photos of myself and say, how are you doing? Yes, it was it, that that was kind of my that was kind of my issue. And, and I got to be honest, even to this day at the age of 20, uh, I mean, well, I'm almost 23 now. But like even to this day, I still it, I still have to intentionally challenge that. Um, I have to intentionally challenge the need to be the center of attention because there are people who also need edification by having the focus on them for a little bit. They need that edification too. Yeah, because on let, let's just be honest here. There's a lot of people in this world that feel outcasted Mm -hmm. they feel like no one loves them they feel like no one cares about them or no one wants to listen to them or no one wants any of that and let's just be honest those are all lies from the very pits of hell Mm -hmm. um those are lies from satan himself there are people in your life even if it's just one person there's at least one person i can almost guarantee that if not god if you talk to god he can bring someone god made you special and he loves you very much yes he did and so um we as Christians have to understand that we don't, we can't be the center of attention and we have to love other people unconditionally, like I was telling you about. Yeah. So we can see, oh, okay, this person is visibly upset. Mm-hmm. Wow. I need to talk to them yeah. or, or pray for them because sometimes maybe it's not your, maybe it's not your time or your calling mm-hmm. to open up to them. Because mm-hmm. like, I'm going to be honest, like there's been time, like, like I'm a huge believer in you as in, you need to be careful with when you're mixing genders when it comes to like emotional oh, yeah. stuff. And so, like, if I if like, there's been times in my life where I've seen a female visibly upset, and I've gone to one of my female friends like, "Can you talk to her?" Yes. Or I just pray, I just pray for her, but I don't reach out. Yes, it's um that that's oh I want to 
I want to include a story about that. Uh, Daniel and I were out to lunch for a few minutes, um, and I ended up telling him about this uh, songwriter who I, I have a very great admiration for. Her name's Lacey Sturm. Um, and she spoke about in her book, The Mystery of Love, she um, spoke about... You do not own anything about this book. No, I don't own no anything. No content belongs no. to me or this podcast. I would love to meet Lacey Sturm, though. That's all I ask is that out of this, I just, I want to meet Lacey Sturm. Um, <laughs> no, Lacey Sturm doesn't have to meet me. But um, in this book, she she talks about she talks about the boundaries. She, she talked about um, healthy boundaries and kind of understanding where you stand with a person in terms of relationships, whether um, are they brothers and sisters in Christ? Are they mothers and fathers in Christ? Are they acquaintances? Are they enemies? Are they, you know, it's important to understand where a person stands because so you can serve them accordingly. Uh, not that's not a direct quote from her book, but it, the way that she described it was very helpful for me personally, especially in this stage in my life. Well, the reason why I mentioned that is mm-hmm. because I I mentioned that because I had I remember that I was in the sixth grade when I heard a speaker say this. I remember thinking that he was crazy, but now that I'm older. Mm-hmm. And just a little bit wiser, just a little bit, not much. Um, <laughs> I understand he was one hundred percent correct. He said, "He said you have to be careful if you open yourself up to a member of the opposite sex because that can lead to emotional intimacy and that can lead to a lot of things." And he said it very bluntly. He was a very funny guy, but he said it was like he's like, "Y'all ain't gonna be talking about your problems, but you're gonna be making it out in the corner." And it's, I was like, "That's exactly. very true." And so um, that's why I'm very careful because I don't want to say. I don't want this girl to be like, well, does he like me because he's helping me through this? Mm-hmm. It's like, is he being friendly? Like, that's mm-hmm. just as toxic. Even though my intention is being good, it is toxic for me to put myself in a place that I do not belong. Mm-hmm. And so I have to be – and so everybody needs to be very, very careful. Mm-hmm. And it even belongs within – there's even some guys where I'm just like, okay, that's not me. Mm-hmm. Someone else needs to minister to this person, but this is not my responsibility. This is not my exactly. role in my assignment. And so God has assignments for every person. Mm-hmm. And so we have to understand what those assignments are before we can effectively minister to other people. Actually, I don't want to share that. Not on the podcast. Okay, that's fine. But, um, but it is important to, it is important to figure out who you're called to minister to. Um, and sometimes, even though, even if we feel a pull to go minister to someone, we have to kind of step back and evaluate because there's that opportunity in ministering to someone that that ministering can kind of go it can actually into a, hinder. It can actually it can, um, especially if you're not watching. If especially, is it boost if it's. You have to watch it because sometimes what can happen is when there's that emotional attachment and then there's that ministering to a person we got we have to watch out because sometimes what can happen is idolatry and I have personal I have a personal experience with idolizing with idolizing people and I I even at even at my age I still even acknowledging it I still struggle with I still struggle with idolizing people right and, and it's to, toxic. i actually have a story relating somewhat to that and I, I remember i was at youth camp and um i don't remember many memories about this youth, youth camp except this one very specifically i had a friend that was a female okay best friend in the world we were super close and i believe it was after this youth camp i actually I, it was i think it was during this youth camp i began to catch feelings for her okay and so I'm not saying that being close to a, f- a person of the opposite sex is bad. I'm like, in fact, if you're if you're wanting to date someone, get to know them. Don't just jump in, please. But um, please I don't. Re- <laughs> I remember they were having an altar call, and she just broke down. Cry- I'm talking like ugly snot nose cry. Like holy, girl, me too. Like Holy Spirit just kicked her in the teeth, crying. And when I say that, I'm like the Holy Spirit, like the good kick in the teeth. And so my first response is I wanted to run over there mm-hmm. and, like, make sure she was okay, hug her and all this stuff. But then I, like, I, I, turned, I remember whipping my head, but then the Lord was like, uh-uh, uh-uh, don't you take the step. 
Like, like literally, he was like, "That's not your that's that's not your that's role. That's not your role. That's not your role." And so then there was two or three other girls that she opened up to, mm-hmm. and she got help from them, not me, mm-hmm. because if I would have stepped into that role, my romantic feelings for her would get in the way of her potential healing. And healing is not always a physical, like, oh, okay, my arm's broken, let me get prayed. Healing can be emotional, it can be spiritual, it can be mental. And so I wouldn't have been effective in doing that because, like that gentleman's preacher said, eventually there would be, I I would walk over there and get attentions, but eventually those good attentions would switch and be like, okay, like, let me hug you, let me comfort you. And... That wouldn't in that moment it would not have been edifying. It would not have been edifying for her at all. She needed females to to open up with, and so it would have been just as toxic for me to run over to her. Mm-hmm. And that's also narcissistic too to say like I'm the I'm, one that needs to go over there. Yes. I'm the one that needs to to help her. And I've been guilty of that before. It's just like well, mm-hmm. well God's using me, like me, not you, me. And it's just like, not you, Brie, me. And so, um, I'm pretty sure he called me Daniel. And so (laughs) I've had to, I've had to be careful. I've had to be careful. It's just like, like I've had to stop myself. Like it's not my place. And that's, that's a very humble, that's a very humbling place. Um, Oh, I did not like it one bit, but I know. I I don't like, (laughs) it was very, very humbling. You think I like being humble? I don't like it. Um, there was, um, yeah, it, it's it can be it can be difficult to kind of let it, it can be difficult to kind of step back and let God work in the way that He believes He should work. It's like we were talking about earlier. We have we have this sense of how we believe things should work, and when we kind of swallow some humility, and um, we take our humility pill. <laughs> Ask your doctor about humility today. <laughs> Um, but uh, when we when we take our humility and we kind of submit to the Lord and we kind of say, okay, God, how do you think this should go? Then we get to see a whole beautiful picture play out, and that that can be that can be difficult, um, especially in, in when romantic feelings are involved. So one of the things that I learned in my life was like you said, and I had to be told this, and I'm gonna be honest with you, I go through counseling. Um, it's a very freeing experience. I highly recommend it for a lot of people. Highly, 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 highly recommend Daniel's it. Daniel's telling me to go to therapy. I said counseling. <laughs> anyway, um, and he, my counselor helped me realize that I do what Brianna was talking about. Is I, I have an idea of how things should go. It's like, well, if you're a parent, you should act like this. If you're a church leader, you should act like this. It should be like... You should be doing this thing, this thing, offer this program. And whenever it didn't end up my way, it just frankly made me mad. And it caused a lot of other issues in my life. And so that is a very toxic behavior. It's because I have to understand that I'm not as special as I think I am. I'm not as gifted as I think I am. I'm not as gifted in leadership as I think I am because I've always thought that I've always been a good leader. So I've heard it my whole life. I'm like, oh, you're going to be such a strong. No, no, I'm not a good leader. I'm nothing without God. And so it's just having to have that humility pill, which is the Bible, and say, God, you know better than I do. You know better than I do. You know better than Bree. You know better than everybody on this planet. Uh, just that <laughs> knows better than anybody on this planet of what to do. And so that's why we need to trust him. Mm-hmm. And not get in the way because, honestly, like it, like the example that I gave of the youth camp, if I would have ran over there and if I would have prohibited her healing, mm-hmm. I would have paid for that. Mm-hmm. Because God would have been like, hey, you got in the way. I told you not to do this, but you did it anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's not that's not going to be good. Thing. I don't want to hear none of that on Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. And so we just have to lay aside that toxic behavior and just say, and it goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning was the selfishness. Mm-hmm. And just saying, God... You know better than me. You know better. You have a plan. I don't understand the plan. I don't understand what you have for me. I don't understand why I feel lonely. I don't understand why I feel sad. I don't understand why things are not working out for me. I don't understand why my home life is a hot mess. I don't understand. But it's I, tr- I, I trust you. Mm-hmm. If you try to take matters into your own hands and you try to relieve that pain, your own way 
first of all, you're playing into the devil's hands, and second of all, that's narcissistic as well, and mm-hmm. that's just as to- that's just a toxic behavior as well. Mm-hmm. And so we got to stop. Like we're like giving the devil everything that he wants. It's like he wants us in pain. Is what does the Bible say? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm-hmm. And so he wants to steal from us, and he wants to destroy from us. And so we just give him everything that he wants by playing into his into his desires by trying to not instead of just saying God, I trust you. And just instead of saying those four words, you, just by saying those four words, you can get rid of all the toxic behavior. Because it's rooted in selfishness, it's rooted in pride. If we can set aside those things, it can heal us. And don't don't get me wrong; it will be a process. I'm still I'm still going through some of these things I've talked about. I'm still dealing with some of these things because it's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. Exactly. But it will be worth it. True. And so, what what have been some of the takeaways from this conversation, Bree? Um, um, there, there's a lot of, lot of takeaways I, um, I have from today. And I, I think the, I think just acting and selflessness is probably the one, uh, is probably like one of the main, you know, points that I've taken away from, from what we talked about. And I like, I like the, I, li- I really like the example that we used. It's, it was a good example. Um, but just acting in, acting in selflessness is ultimately, it's biblically referenced to have a more rich and full life. And, um, and another thing is just acting in humility and thinking of others as higher than yourself. So for me, it's just loving unconditionally. Mm -hmm. If someone fundamentally disagrees with you Mm -hmm. and you, them it's setting aside the pride It's setting aside the anxiety, but also understanding you are loved. Mm Mm-hmm. God made you special. <laughs> and so. You didn't finish. And so it's just understanding that you are special. Mm-hmm. And because if you have have the right amount of self-confidence, just too much self-confidence is arrogance. But if you have this just an, enough self-confidence, you wouldn't have to like breed it and steal the conversation. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have to do that because you would have the the right amount of self self control, and so if you just love yourself, that can also help as well. Is because if you feel comfortable with yourself, you're you're more comfortable with pushing the light off of you and saying, "Hey, what can I help you with?" And having confidence in your ability to do that. But the takeaway is also just knowing your assignment, um, knowing where where who you're supposed to minister to and when you're supposed to minister to them, and not overstepping. That's very, very important. So I hope that that our conversation today has helped. And so I just want to reiterate one more time that if you exhibit some of these behaviors that we have done, you are not a bad person. Mm -hmm. You are not. You are not a bad person. Jesus loves you unconditionally. And that goes for everything. It doesn't matter what you do or what you've done. God loves you unconditionally. And so... We're just on. We're gonna stop here. They there will most likely be a part two on this subject. I'm excited for part two. So we're just gonna stop here. God loves you. God bless you, and I'll see you next time. Coconuts. <laughs>